Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we find ourselves once again reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. In fact, we've been reading from chapter 13 for the past several weeks. Last week, we heard the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Well, today we hear these four brief parables. Now, remember, parables are short stories that have different twists and turns about them and always in an unexpected ending. Now, the important characteristic about parables is they keep generating meaning over time. What do I mean by that? Well, we read them once, for example, today, and we get an idea or a lesson from them. And then we can pick up that same parable, read it about a month later, and see a new angle or a side of the story that gives us a new lesson. And so today, Jesus gives us these four very brief parables. Each one says something that's very important about the kingdom of God, about the presence of God in our lives. The first parable, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Well, this was relatively common in the ancient world, especially in Palestine, where Jesus lived. Now you say, well, why? Well, let's say there are a band of marauders coming, or maybe bandits sweeping through the area. Well, remember, in Jesus' time, there were no banks and there was no insurance companies that protected our valuables. Well, what you would do is you would head to the hills and hide. But before you left, you would bury your valuables in the ground. Now, when you think about it, it's not necessarily a bad way to protect your valuables. After all, where would the invaders know where to look as far as where you buried them? Now, what would happen is often people would flee and they would never come back. They would either be killed or relocate or they would come back to another town. Consequently, there was a fair amount of buried treasure in Palestine. Now fast forward about a year, or maybe even a century later. A farmer now buys that same field. He's plowing. And over the course of plowing, he finds that buried treasure and makes himself rich. Now you can see why people, so many, are fascinated with these stories about buried treasure. You know, so are we. You know, well, the pirates like Blackbeard, you know, he buries the treasure, he gets killed, and then years later, a person stumbles upon it and becomes rich. And so it begs the question, why is this like the kingdom of God? Well, sometimes God's love and God's presence comes upon us that way. It comes upon us as a great surprise. When you are busy doing something, God's love and God's presence suddenly breaks into our life, and sometimes unexpectedly. If you read the lives of saints, you see that firsthand. 
The saints were moving in one direction, and then God entered into their life. And suddenly, they're turned around and moving in the opposite direction. Great example of this, Saul of Tarsus. On that road to Damascus, he knew and believed he was doing the right thing in persecuting our church. And then he meets the last person he ever thought he would meet, Jesus Christ himself. And now his life has changed forever and becomes probably one of the greatest apostles that we know in our church. You know, this is seen in the lives of a lot of our saints, this surprising quality of the kingdom of God. I think Mark Twain puts it best. He said, life is what happens to you while you are busy making other plans. Well, we like to plan our whole life, our whole life being planned out. And suddenly, the presence of God enters into our life and changes everything. Great example of this is Mary. Mary had her whole life planned out. She was going to marry Joseph. She was going to have a family with a lot of kids. She was going to have a nice house, a nice living, and retire with her children and grandchildren. And yet what happens? God breaks into her life, and the angel Gabriel announces God's plans for her. Well, we have to recognize the kingdom of God, the presence of God, can break into our life suddenly. Now, in the second parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Well, in the ancient world, pearls were extremely precious and expensive. You know, there are legends in which Julius Caesar was known to pay astronomical amounts of money for just a few pearls. More to it, think of the difficulty of finding these pearls. Divers would go down and down into the water without any of the equipment that we have today, scuba gear. And it was rare that you would find a perfectly formed pearl. Now, the first parable, the kingdom is chanced upon, you could say. It's like a buried treasure, surprisingly, you find by chance or by luck. Now, the second parable says the kingdom of God is something to search for diligently, even painfully, over time. Think of this merchant. You know, for many years, he's been looking and looking for this great pearl. Think of the diver going down and down into the water day after day with all the difficulty involved, looking for that one fine pearl. Well, apply that to the saints. Think of St. Augustine looking and searching for the truth, which he first brought him to philosophy. And finally, after a long process, which took many years, brought him to his Catholic faith. Augustine looked and he searched diligently, even painfully for years, until he saw the presence of God in his life. Take Thomas Merton, 20th century St. Augustine, looking for the kingdom of God in the secular world, He was then looking in all different kinds of faith and spiritualities, finally finding what he was looking for when he became a Trappist monk in 1941. Now, another way of looking at this parable is that pearls are formed because of an irritant got into the oyster. Whether it's a piece of dirt or seaweed, whatever it may be, what the oyster does, it essentially creates a protective shell around that irritant to protect itself. And then over time, that shell becomes the pearl itself. What does that mean for us? Well, we are searching, aren't we, 
for the truth, for salvation. As it is, there is an irritant in us, and in us it spurs us to keep looking. And sometimes the kingdom of God is just that. And after a long period, we find what we wanted, God's presence in our life. Now, these first two parables have one common thing, the way they end. No matter how we find the kingdom of God, whether it comes upon us as a surprise, a gift, or grace, or whether we find it after a long, diligent search, we must be willing to sell everything and buy it. We have to recognize this man, he finds the buried treasure, and he sells everything and buys the field. The merchant, he finds the pearl, he sells everything to buy it. What's the implication here? Don't mess around when God discovers you or you discover God. Rather, abandon all your preoccupations, those things that must be set aside. God and his kingdom, his presence must come first. And see, that's the challenging demand of the gospel. We can't leave God as a second, third, or fourth priority in our life. God always must come first. Now go to the third parable. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets, and what is bad they throw away. Now this story is a bit more sobering, isn't it? This image is one of which followers of Jesus would be familiar with. In fact, it was a common scene in Jesus' time. Two boats would put out to sea. They would go out to water, and they would have a dragnet in between the two boats. And after sailing for a while, they would essentially row back into shore with the dragnet. And in doing so, they would take whatever they found. Well, what they found was, yes, some good fish that they could sell at the market, along with everything else, stones, weeds, junk. And so they would sit on the shore and they would sort out. The good things, the good fish that we can sell at market is over here, and all the bad things we're going to toss and throw out. So Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. Now, in the first two parables, it tells us, the kingdom or God's presence comes upon us either as a surprising gift or we find it after a long search. Well, the third parable, Jesus gives us this sobering truth. In the end, the kingdom of God will find us, whether we like it or not. God's reign is coming. God's order is coming. Now, do we have time to change? Yes, we do. To order our lives in accord with God's order. Now, it's important to realize It is coming, whether we like it or not, whether we are ready for it or not. God's presence is coming. So God will gather us all, all the saints and all the sinners. And this is a very familiar theme in all the Gospels. Jesus is telling us to get ready. Don't put it off until the last minute. Because the Lord's kingdom, his presence, is coming for us. Now, the fourth parable. Here it says, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven, which is us, is like the head of the household, who brings forth from his storeroom both the new as well as the old. Now that's a great image. Jesus loved the law as well as tradition. He reverenced them both. But at the same time, his preaching and his teaching represented something that was new. 
Well, Jesus' ministry is a combination of both, the old as well as something that is new and surprising. Well, so too with our church. We reverence our old. We reverence our doctrine and our dogma. We reverence our sacraments, things that we've held for centuries on end. But at the same time, we recognize the Holy Spirit is alive in our church, renewing our church all the time. And so we embrace both. We recognize that we turn to our history to recognize our identity, but also we turn to the future and see where God is leading us. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Read this gospel passage, all four of these short but incredibly powerful parables. They tell us about how God breaks into our life, whether it's a surprise, whether it's we have to search diligently for it, and we know that it is going to come. God will come into our life, and we have to be ready. More to it, when God does come into our life, we look to the past and see everything that God has done for us, and then we also look to the future, everything that God will do for us in this world and the world to come. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.